When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Breastfeeding toddlers was such a hot topic that we literally had over 10 interview questions we didn't even have time to ask in part one. So now it's time for us to discuss those difficult questions that revolve around sleep time nursing and gently weaning your breastfeeding toddler if that's something that you are looking into doing anytime soon. I'm so thrilled that Andrea decided to come back to the show. Andrea J. Blanco is a private practice, international board certified lactation consultant in Miami, Florida with Loving Start Lactation Services. Today we are discussing breastfeeding toddlers and managing that sometimes chaotic circus, part two. This is The Boob Group, episode 48. Breast milk, it does a baby good. Silly daddy, boobs are for babies. I make milk, what's your superpower? If my breastfeeding offends you, put a blanket over your head. Dairy diva, don't be lactose intolerant. Nursing nature's own breast enhancement. Meals on heels. Whoever said there's no use crying over spilled milk, never had to pump. Breast milk. All udders are inferior. Whatever your point of view, we're here to support your breastfeeding goals. We're the Boob Group, because mothers know breast. Welcome to the Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I'm your host, Robin Kaplan. I'm also an international board-certified lactation consultant and owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. At the Boob Group, we're your online support group for all things related to breastfeeding. Have you signed up for our newsletter yet? This is one of the best ways to stay informed about our new episodes, giveaways, and blog posts. Also, if you sign up today, you will be entered into our giveaway for a free month membership of our Boob Group Club, which gives you access to all of our archived episodes. Today, I'm joined by three lovely panelists in the studio. Ladies, will you please introduce yourselves? My name is Cinda Brown, and I'm 36. I'm an officer in the Navy. And I have one daughter, and she's 16 and a half months. I'm Danielle Gimbroni. I'm 28 years old. I stay at home currently with my son, who is 22 months today. Mm-hmm. I'm Melissa Lang Lytle. I'm 41 years old. I'm going to be 42 next month. Ah. My occupation, I would say, is stay-at-home mom and also kind of a birth advocate. I work for two nonprofit organizations here in San Diego. I have two children, one's two and one's four. Fantastic. Welcome to the show, ladies. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. So actually, for our boob oops today, I actually have um, a story to share that happened to me when I was nursing my first son, Ben. Um, So Ben was about six months old, and I was back at work full time, and... um, 
And Ben was a huge puker. He puked on me all the time. So I knew better than to wear a shirt while I was nursing him, obviously while we were home. Um, so I went in, I nursed him. I was running late for work. I picked him up like right after we were done and he puked all over me, like uh, down my back, down my front. And um, the problem was I didn't realize that he also puked in my hair. And so I went and I ran and I washed myself off with a face cloth, threw my work shirt on, went to work. And about an hour into work, we're sitting in a staff meeting. There are about 15 other people in the staff meeting. And my supposed good friend who's sitting next to me turns to me and she goes, oh my God, Robin, you reek. And I just looked at her completely mortified, like, how could you say that to me? Oh my gosh. And she's like, no, you really stink. Like, I can't believe how badly you stink. And everyone just kind of turned and looked at me and I was like bright red. And I was like, all right, my son's a puker. He puked on me. I didn't have time to get a shower. I was running late for work. I didn't want to be late for this meeting. So yes, I have puke in my hair. Are you happy? And I was just like, I really wanted to punch her in the face. I was so mad. But um, so it wasn't necessarily flashing a boob type of boob oops, but it definitely was a breastfeeding oops. Today on The Boob Group, we're discussing breastfeeding toddlers, managing that sometimes chaotic circus, part two. Our expert, Andrea Blanco, is a private practice international board certified lactation consultant in Miami, Florida with Loving Start Lactation Services. I first met Andrea when she decided to be a guest writer for my blog on the San Diego Breastfeeding Center blog. Her toddler articles have been some of the most popular articles on my site due to her breastfeeding knowledge and her sassy storytelling. Thanks so much for joining us, Andrea, and welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me back, Robin. So in our last episode, Breastfeeding Toddlers, we talked about the frequency of toddler breastfeeding and using breastfeeding as a fantastic parenting tool. Yet we also had a lot of questions from our Facebook page about sleep time and weaning, so we thought we would, it would be really helpful to have an entire episode just about those topics. So before we get to those topics, though, I have an additional question for you. Um, Andrea, in your blog articles on my website, you talk about the difference between having less milk and not having enough milk. Can you tell us what this is all about? Sure. So this goes back to the basic breastfeeding law of supply and demand. In those first few months of a baby's life, the mother's body is adjusting by making enough milk to meet the needs of her growing baby. Ideally, sometime after the six-month mark, the baby then starts on solids and the weaning process begins. Now, that doesn't mean that the baby will wean anytime soon. It just means that now the body begins to readjust its milk production to reflect that the baby's getting some of his nutritional needs elsewhere, like from a mashed up avocado, for instance. This process continues, and the amount of milk a mother needs to produce by the time the baby becomes a toddler is dependent on how often that toddler's nursing and how much other foods he's eating day to day. Throw into the equation that some mothers may be returning to work, or if they're already working, they've opted to stop pumping while at work, or um, the toddler may be sleeping longer stretches, or mother has a return of her menses and is seeing a related drop in production due to that. Uh, these things can affect milk supply. However, in most instances, if the mom is still offering the breast freely, then the toddler is still dictating supply. For instance, today the toddler might not want avocado pieces and blueberries for lunch. She may want to nurse on mama's lap. And then the next day she may decide she wants to stuff her mouth full of cheese and crackers for a half hour. It's up to her. She's dictating the supply. Um, this is especially challenging for moms who pump regularly because they've been used to getting a certain amount for so long and then slowly the amount decreases. Concerns over low milk supply at this age are uh, generally easily explained and usually a matter of adjusting expectations for the mom regarding her toddler's needs. 
Fantastic. Thank you. You just nailed that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, Andrea, another question from one of our Facebook followers. Um, Teresa asked, um, how can I get my toddler to sleep without nursing first? Because a lot of these little ones, they love mama right before they go to bed. And so she was having a tough time helping her baby go to sleep, especially if she wasn't home. So any ideas? Yeah. So my first reaction to this question is that regard, you know, regardless of the child's age, it's why does the mother want her child to stop nursing to sleep? Oftentimes, I think that we as mothers have a problem with this because we're told it's problematic and not necessarily because we really believe it to be so. Having said that, it was my experience with both my kids that around the 16th month mark, each of them stopped falling asleep at the breast. It's not that I didn't try to nurse them to sleep. It's that they would nurse and nurse and nurse and not fall asleep and then want to play after. And that was extremely overwhelming for me as a mom. However, it was also a good sign that he was ready to transition off falling asleep at the breast to some other sort of ritual that helps soothe um, to sleep. Some things to try are backstroking, hair tossing, any light rhythmic touch. Um, you can preface this shift for the child by explaining in easy-to-understand terms, something like, we're going to drink booby for a little while, and then mommy's going to stroke your hair to sleep. Don't give in to the temptation of foregoing the routine when it doesn't work the first couple of times. As with anything you do with this age group, consistency is so important. And reevaluating the plan as you and the, and the toddler go along. This is the age where testing limits begins and setting those limits in a gentle, easy-to-understand terms um, is important for them and for you. And it's a wonderful question, Teresa. Thank you. Um, ladies, how, do you still nurse your toddlers to sleep? And if not, when was that transition and how did that go for you? Cinda, do you mind starting? Sure. I absolutely do still nurse her to sleep. And, for example, last night I wasn't home to do that, and I came home to a big disaster. Oh, no. <laughs> so, um, I, I haven't tried to not do it because it works for us, yeah. and that's how I get her to sleep. How, how old was that panelist being? Um, she's sorry. 16 and a half months right now. Yep. Yeah. She's yep. still little. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she's not little. She's very big. <laughs> Age Young. wise, she's little. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, how about you, Danielle? Uh, yes, we still nurse to sleep um, bedtimes and naps pretty much every time. Um, if I happen to be at work, I, I only work um, a few days a month, but if I happen to be at work, my husband gets him to sleep by just holding him and kind of rocking him to sleep. And I think also they um, play and play and play until he's exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, occasionally he'll fall asleep like in the car seat if we're out and about too. So um, it's not um, necessary if I wanted to stop nursing to sleep, I probably could, um, but it works and we enjoy it. And so we're just keep going, which is clearly the key. I think yeah. the point that you said you both, in, it works and you enjoy it. Right. And so why would you stop? At Especially this point? with a toddler, they're yeah. so busy. It's, it's just a nice time to kind of wind down and like reestablish the bond that maybe you had more of when they were tiny, yeah. you know? Absolutely. How about you, Melissa? Well, I have a two year old, almost three year old, and we just recently, started working on ending nursing to sleep, both for naps and nighttime. So I night weaned and worked on it there, and then we've been working on it in the nap. But I, I pushed all the way through past two yeah. of nursing to sleep. He just loved it, and I loved it, and it was a downtime for both of us. And we bed share, so it made it really easy. So, it, it, you know, it was something that I just recently worked through doing. Now, how? what steps did you do? 
for what worked, what worked for you to to start that weaning process, but to go to sleep, I should say. Right. We just I just knew that it was about pattern and about rhythm, and we would nurse before. Well, this is before I night weaned, but if, as far as naps go, we would nurse before and then go upstairs together and either read a book, or he would just lay down on his tummy and I would rub his back or rub okay. his bum. So, so kind of like Andrea was just describing. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. Exactly. Okay, thank you, Andrea. For those who bed share, um, some have asked how to keep their toddlers from nursing throughout the night. Um, And Melissa was just describing that she actually went through this process with night weaning. Um, What recommendations do you have for that? So first, let me just say that it is possible to night wean and bed share. Um, And and again, it's completely normal for toddlers to be waking up at night and the frequency of night waking varies greatly from child to child. And also the age is key. I mean, just amongst your panelists, you have uh, a variation of 16 months to almost 36 months. So with a toddler age group of, you know, 12 to 36 months, there's such a huge range. And there's this is one of those situations where a 12-month-old may not be as ready as a 20-month-old to take the step, even if mom and dad might be. Separation anxiety is at its peak during these months. So with my clients, we try to work around the issues that they're having before the 18th month mark so long as we can, although that's not always the ideal situation. Um, it's important to try and narrow down why the toddler is waking? Is this normal behavior or did they suddenly change their pattern and have begun night waking or night waking more frequently? If it's a change in pattern, then I would hold off because that's an indication that something else is going on, whether it be that the toddler's on the cusp of a huge developmental milestone like learning to talk or teething or fighting illness or trying to find quality time with a parent who has recently returned to work. Um, Some things to try being mindful of your child's age and ability to understand and communicate are introducing a sippy cup with water. So you start off by offering water at night, either before or right after nursing. So the child starts to link those two events. And then when the child works, I'm sorry, when the child wakes, you offer the water first. Um, Then at that point, you would try some of that light rhythmic touch that we talked about earlier to get the baby back to sleep. If it works, great. If it doesn't, then nurse for a few minutes until he's back asleep and repeat again at at the next waking. For me, the fighting or denying the breast until everyone was awake was counterproductive to what I was trying to do, which was get more sleep. So my stopping point was a little bit before the crying escalated. And again, being patient and consistent over and over. Um, With my first, I tried at 19 months and it failed miserably. So I stopped. It was very clear he wasn't ready. Um, I let it go completely. And then I tried again at 20 months and it worked like a charm, you know, no problem with very little tears. The only difference between those two months really was his readiness and me being aware of his readiness. Um, Another trick to try is to infuse their day with conversations about the things that go to sleep. So the sun sleeps, the rooster sleeps, the dog sleeps, the baby sleeps, you know, or things like that. And then emphasizing all of that throughout the day and then when he night wakes. Something like, you know, the sun isn't awake yet, honey, the booby's still sleeping. Or then go to the library and check out a bunch of books that have to do with things going to sleep and talk about it over and over and over. Neither of these ideas are meant to be quick fixes. They are intended to be slow-paced, gentle gentle approaches to reaching the mom's goal, but they are effective. Fantastic. Um, Ladies, how often do your toddlers nurse through the night? And Melissa, I would love to know... um you know, when you started night weaning and and you had mentioned kind of how you did it as well, but maybe if you have a few more tips. Um, So I actually, we'll start with you, Melissa. Okay. um, So when did you start night weaning and how long did the process take? I, I, well, we just started 
I should say just started about four months ago. Okay. So, and what I started doing first was started talking about it with my toddler. Something that was really important to me that I noticed about him was that he needed to understand it first. And we just really worked through talking about it so that he started to get it in his consciousness before it actually started to happen. And then what worked for us is we went out and picked out a special toy that he wanted. And so he used to bring it to bed, which is kind of funny because he decided to pick a rainbow of pens. So he used to like bring his pens to bed in a plastic case. Not like a little lovey or anything No, I was really hoping he'd pick a stuffed animal or something really cuddly and soft that reminded him of mama, but no, he picked (laughs) pens, which I think is fabulous. Um, But I think starting to talk about it, the first couple nights were rough and we we just worked through it. You know, I talked a lot about him. Like Andrea mentioned, I, I, I used the water and did the rhythmic rubbing like I had like I did with the naps. So what worked for us was just consistency and me still being there and nurturing him when it was really hard for him to transition those first couple nights. But really by the end of a week we were we were rocking it. Cool. How about you, Danielle? How often does your baby feed through the night um at um, this point? Probably um regularly in general, uh, maybe two times maybe maybe once or twice not very much um mostly he sleeps the first uh, stretch of the night um pretty well and then um more nursing um so probably both i would say um, not that much through the beginning of the night and then towards the end maybe once around four o'clock in the morning and then once more around six and then he sleeps and wakes up but of course um, teeth coming in or not feeling good or kind of out of sorts, then totally. it's it's a lot more. And then usually I know um, that the next day we're going to, you know, have a kind of a long day yeah. and lots of extra cuddles and things like that. Like the other night, um, he wasn't sleeping really well when he woke up. He told me that um, his back was hurting. So we went to the chiropractor and then got it all straightened out. And then he was fine. So <sighs> I realized there was a reason. It, it's so nice that still nursing a toddler that they're able to communicate with you. Because then you can understand and help them a little bit better um, than you used to. So, um, you know, a lot of a lot of love and <laughs> understanding on those long nights. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> How about you, Cinda? I think Lily's still nursing probably four or five times a night or, or more. I'm not really sure because it's gotten to the point where I'm totally out of it and still sleeping nice. and uh, she just rolls over and she's big enough now where she can latch on by herself yeah. which is fabulous so I don't <laughs> it's all hands off I don't have to do it um, we put her to bed fairly early probably around six o'clock because she gets up around six in the morning and so from that point I know the clock's ticking and I'll have about two hours before she wakes up and I have to go in there and so it's Right around probably every two hours or so. Yeah, is what I'm guessing. Does it and it works out okay for you because you're able to s- sleep through a lot of it. It sounds for like. the most part, unless yeah. she's um like like uh like we said here that she's teething or something like that, then it's a little bit harder. It's a long night. Yes, yeah, but it would pussy. be a long night even if they weren't nursing. Correct. So <laughs> at Absolutely. least you have a tool. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Well, when we come back, Andrea will discuss ways to gently wean a toddler. We'll be right back. Okay, and we're back right now with Andrea Blanco, a private practice international board certified lactation consultant from Miami, Florida, and she works with Loving Start Lactation Services, and we are discussing breastfeeding toddlers, managing that sometimes chaotic circus, and this is part two. Um, So Andrea, here's a question from one of our Facebook followers. Megan asked, she said, some days I feel like I just need a break. 
But I know that if I weaned, then I would totally miss our breastfeeding relationship. All the panelists are shaking their heads. Um, How did you get past those days when freedom was so tempting? This is such a great question, too. Um, This may sound so simple, but understanding that those feelings are normal is, for me, really the most important first step. The fact that Megan is able to distinguish between needing a break and needing to wean is important, too. Those are the times when you really need to surround yourself with like-minded people who get where you're coming from. If there isn't a toddler nursing group in Megan's area, then, you know, I really encourage her to go online. Um, Not only did I find some support, encouragement, and most of all, understanding on those days when I felt that way, but I also took away lasting friendships with wonderful women who are some of my dearest friends to this day through online breastfeeding mommy groups. So I, you know, I really, really want her to get out there into the social media world. Cool. How about you ladies? What other advice do you have when you're, or if you're feeling those days when you're looking for some freedom, how do you power through them? Cinda, how about you? I sometimes ask her dad to take care of her just to give me a break to go out. Um, Something I've started doing recently, too, is I'll put her in the jogging stroller and I'll go for a run. And she loves it. And if she's really grabby and wants to be all over me, that takes her mind off of it. It gives me a chance to exercise. Um, It gives me a little bit of a break. But it doesn't work so well when we get back home because then she immediately wants it. (laughs) She remembers where we left off. But... Uh, just maybe to get someone else to take care of, of her baby for a little while, just to give her a half an hour to go do something for herself. Perfect, perfect. How about you, Danielle? Um, I kind of do the same thing um, as far as just getting out of the house. I find that um, my son tells me, um, like he, he says he wants to nurse, and then he'll tell me, couch. And so, <laughs> and so if we are out of the home away from the couch doing something that he likes, then, you know, the, the he's totally distracted and not wanting to nurse. And it's fun for me, too. It kind of gets rid of that tension. Sometimes you're in the house and you're just, just the same old and the dishes and the laundry and the dog or whatever. And so get out of the house, get some fresh air, um, do an activity, something that you, you and your baby both enjoy. Um, we go to the beach a lot. So we just go there, um, play in the water hang out and then um you know come home I'm sort of recharged and then he wants to nurse and and kind of at that point I'm sort of exhausted from chasing him around so I want to sit down on the couch and nurse and just kind of relax so um that's kind of what I do is just recharge outside of the home perfect how about you Melissa well I think these two panelists mentioned things that I've done before and I think what Andrea said is true I feel like acknowledgement that these feelings are natural is something we have to like allow ourselves and give ourselves permission to feel and then after that one of the things that worked for me was yes getting out of the house works but talking to two friends of mine that also nurse toddlers and one of the things we talked about the most was this too shall pass and knowing that this isn't going to be forever because sometimes that's what it feels like if it's been two days in a row of like not feeling good or teething it almost feels like it's going to be this way forever and just to know that it's not feels really good (laughs) because I can get through you know, the next few days. (laughs) Absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. Um, Andrea, what are some signs that a toddler is actually ready to wean? This is such a tough question because breastfeeding is a two-person relationship. Um, But just focusing on the toddler's end of it, I think that the most obvious sign that that mom can start to pursue weaning is toddler distractibility. 
So usually toddlers will start to let go of some of the nursing sessions throughout the day on their own. That's also a good sign that mom can kind of nudge her toddler into letting go of others. Then if the toddler is also easily distracted when he asks to nurse, that's probably a good indication that they'll allow themselves to be nudged even further. And I do say nudge and not push. <laughs> so, you know, again, just with the gentle weaning in mind. And because this was definitely one of our most popular Facebook questions by far, was asking for tips for weaning a toddler who's actually showing no signs of wanting to stop, um, but maybe mom was feeling like she was ready. Um, so what advice do you have for these mamas for this kind of gentle weaning process? Well, I mean, again, that's important. Like I just said, it's a two-person relationship. So, you know, if one of the, if one of the parties doesn't want to continue, then that's important. Um, I go back to one of my earlier responses. Is this something that the mother wants or that those around her want for her? Assuming the answer is the former, then time factors need to be considered. Is weaning something that needs to be done right away due to some sort of an emergency situation? Or can the mom take her time and employ gentle weaning techniques like one of your panelists is doing? Um, hopefully it'll be the latter, in which case understanding that weaning is a process which will take time is really, really important. Once those questions are answered, my best advice for those mamas is to congratulate themselves on an incredible job. Making it to nursing a toddler is no easy feat. And then the next step is to lay out a plan that involves being on the move. A sitting mama is a sitting duck. So she <laughs> so needs true. to say to herself, right, uh, you know, this is what I'm going to do, this is when I'm going to start, and this is my week's worth of activities or month's worth of activities to get this ball rolling. And what are the easiest nursing sessions to get rid of, and what are the kind of the last ones to let go of? I, I kind of already have my idea in my head of which ones I like to hold on to the most, but I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. So it was easy for me, too, just to answer this by starting with the hardest. Um, the hardest sessions to go are usually the ones that involve comfort, first thing in the morning, nap time, before bed, and any injury-related nursing. Um, anything else can be worked on first. In the spirit of gentle weaning, a mom can try removing one session every few days or weeks, paying close attention to her toddler's reaction to the process, and then holding back or moving forward according to the, to the toddler's reaction. Okay. Ladies, have you thought about this at all? I know your kids are still kind of young, and they're just entering some of the toddlerhood. I know Melissa's yours is a little bit older, and you've started this kind of gentle night weaning process. Um, have you thought about this at all, or you know, what are your thoughts on this? I, I haven't thought about it at all yet. I feel like she really needs it. I still need it, and the relationship works for us right now. Perfect, perfect. How about you, Danielle? I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm not um, looking to wean anytime soon. We're just coming up, like I was saying earlier, on our um, first breastfeeding goal, which was two years. I'm really awesome. excited about meeting that goal. Um, and then sort of we're going to hopefully um, be able to do kind of a baby um, toddler-led weaning w at the time when he's ready. Perfect. How about you, Melissa? So my toddler showed no signs of wanting to wean. My idea like Andrea said, is that it's a relationship. So I explained to him why I really needed to night wean. I really couldn't do any kind of activities that related to my birth advocacy or doula, doula-ing. And so I knew that night weaning had to go first. So we really focus on those morning feedings and the comfort feedings. In fact, my four-year-old still, if he falls down and hurts himself or he had the flu last week, he still wants to wean. Doesn't get much milk like he used to, so then he's over it, but I, I'm very open. I want my kids to know if they, the comfort will probably be the last to go for me. Um, and so I'm, I'm showing no signs of wanting to get rid of 
breastfeeding my toddlers. So yeah. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Um, and I also want to say, uh, the, our panelists were, when they saw that we were talking about weaning, they're like, "Wait a minute, we're not weaning though yet." <laughs> and so, and that's totally fine. And I appreciate, um, I appreciate that you've come this far, and you're still like doing an amazing job so that that's wonderful um Andrea though I do have one other question uh, um, about weaning just because this was such a, a popular question on Facebook but um how will a mom know that she's ready to wean um and are there better times to start this process than others so like Megan in the earlier question um mentioned you know being able to differentiate between having rough days and really being done with nursing is is key discounting societal expectations unless otherwise important to the mama, um, even when those come from well-meaning loved ones uh, or even healthcare professionals is, is important. My point is that this needs to be a decision that the mother makes based on her own feelings about breastfeeding. Uh, a good way to sift through some of the other stuff is to start by eliminating those nursing times that are the most frustrating for the mom. So, you know, I, with my first, was working 40 hours a week two hours away from my house and my son was waking up about every hour at night. You know, me dealing with the night weaning had to happen. Um, once that happened, I was much more able to deal with all the other times that he wanted to nurse. And then over the next several months, we were able to cut back to morning nap and bedtime. Um, I actually night weaned him twice because then his brother came along and, and then we had to start all over again. <laughs> um, but that was a really happy medium for me and I find the same to be true in my clients who aren't 100% sure they want to be done completely. Figure out what's most frustrating for you find a way to eliminate that and then reevaluate. If a mom cuts back and then she's still feeling like she's ready to wean completely, then avoiding times like illness or big life changes for the toddler uh, or anything else that may cause a change in toddler's otherwise normal routine is important. I would also avoid doing two big things at once if possible. So for instance, weaning and changing the toddler's sleep location or weaning and there's a new sibling coming might be a little overwhelming for the toddler and for the rest of the family too. Great. Well, thank you so much, Andrea and panelists, for your insight into nursing toddlers. And for our Boob Group Club members, our conversation will continue after the end of this show as Andrea and our panelists will discuss what to do with an active toddler who is constantly distracted while breastfeeding. For more information about our Boob Group Club, please visit our website at theboobgroup.com. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Before we end today's episode, here's Lara Audello with a tip for overcoming societal booby traps. Hi, Boob Group listeners. I'm Lara Dello, a certified lactation educator, the retail marketing manager at Best for Babes, and owner of Mama's Hair Design. Today, we're here to talk about how you can achieve your personal breastfeeding goals without being undermined by cultural and institutional booby traps. Let's look at why only one in four hospitals provide good breastfeeding support. One of the first thoughts that all parents share when they leave the hospital with their newborn baby is, are we really qualified to take care of this little being? Leaving the controlled atmosphere of the hospital can be scary, especially because breastfeeding changes so much once we're home. Most mom's milk doesn't come in until then, and nighttime feedings can seem a little more scary without the extra support. 
Our breastfeeding journey gets off to an important start in the hospital, but the rest of the long road runs through our homes and communities. That's why ongoing breastfeeding support has repeatedly been shown to increase breastfeeding success and why post-discharge support is one of the 10 steps to successful breastfeeding. The CDC collects information about hospitals' compliance with the 10 steps, and for 2009, they reported that only 26.8% of hospitals routinely provided three modes of post-discharge support to breastfeeding moms. And while all of the other measures improved from 2007 to 2009, post-discharge support remained unchanged since 2007. It's been said, hospitals assume that the community will take care of breastfeeding, the community points to the hospitals, and moms fall through the cracks. We all have to make it our responsibility. Make sure you are prepared before you give birth with resources such as books, family and friends with helpful breastfeeding experiences to share, a list of community programs available, and of course, online help. A special thank you to Tanya Lieberman, IBCLC, for writing the Booby Trap series for Best for Babes. Visit www.bestforbabes.org for more great information on how to meet your personal breastfeeding goals and my business, www.mamaparadesigns.com for breastfeeding supportive wearables. And be sure to listen to the Boob Group for fantastic conversations about breastfeeding and breastfeeding support. Thanks so much to our expert, panelists, and to all of our listeners. If you have a question about today's show or the topics we discussed, please call our Boob Group hotline at 619-866-4775 and we'll answer your question on an upcoming episode. If you have a breastfeeding topic you'd like to suggest, we would love to hear it. Simply visit our website at theboobgroup.com and send us an email through the contact link. Coming up next week, we have Jonna Rose Feinberg discussing breastfeeding the late preterm twins. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group, your judgment-free breastfeeding resource. This has been a new Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, Please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare provider. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.